Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. I'm excited this morning that we're going to start a new series, begin a new series called Seeing Jesus Clearly. We need to see him clearly, don't we? We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, part of the Gospel of Mark. I believe this series is going to be like five-week series. And look at the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus, when we see him clearly, is life-changing in all of our lives. You ever looked at one of those images and look at one of those images long enough, you see another image inside. You ever see one of those images? Isn't it great when things come into focus? Isn't it great when you can see it and come into clear focus? For Ray Crockett McDonald's, it was a transformational moment. It was a game-changing moment when he realized it wasn't about making hamburgers, but it was about real estate. For Copernicus, it was a game-changing moment when he realized the universe didn't revolve around the earth, but the earth revolved around the sun. It was a game-changing moment. And many times it can be that moment when everything comes into focus, comes into clarity in our life. We, we all need that in a moment, that moment in regards to Jesus, don't we? That it's so clear that it becomes transformational. Yet this Jesus that we talk about week in and week out and every day, none of us have seen him walk on this earth, have we? None of us have seen him perform one of those miracles of the four Gospels. None of us have even seen him preach one sermon. And so we rely on the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as they told their story of Jesus. And the question is, do we, see, do we have a clear picture of him? Do we have a real clear picture of who Jesus is? I want to take you to the Gospel of Mark, to the 8th chapter of Mark, and hopefully you have it there. And we're going to look at a real interesting passage this morning, and we'll find out that seeing Jesus uh, clearly brings spiritual sight. And so if you have your outlines, I want to give you two realities of finding spiritual sight. And the first one is this. Being with Jesus is about transformation. It's about transformation. We're going to be re reading at Mark chapter 8, verse 22. But there should be something about this story as we read it that doesn't seem right to you. It doesn't seem right. So try to find it as we're reading it. What doesn't seem right? Let me give you a little background Jesus had taken his disciples from Galilee, the northern side of Galilee, up by Tyre, and he brought them, brings them down in this two- or three-day journey to come down to Bethsaida, where he's going to perform a miracle. And now notice what happens. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. What appeared odd to you about that story that's unlike any of the other stories in the New Testament? What was odd about it? He had to touch him two times, right? Two times. He had to touch him two times. For this man, in order to see, he had to touch him two times. Anybody wonder why? Why did Jesus have to do this? Why did he have to touch him two times? Jesus spits in the man's eyes, and that's a pretty kind of, pretty, not a pretty picture, is it? I don't know why anybody would allow someone to spit in their eyes. And when I look at this passage, the only thing I could come up with is the man didn't see it coming, right? It would take you a little bit. I knew it would take you a little bit. That's as good as it gets. I'm sorry, as good as it gets. But anyway, so Jesus touches his eyes. He touches his eyes, and he asks the question, can you see? And the man kind of says, I can see, but it's like trees walking. In other words, I, I, I can't see real clearly is what he's saying. 
And then Jesus touches his eyes again, in which the man opened up his eyes and is saying, can you see? And the man said, now I can see clearly. But there's something about this story that we need to figure out. Why two touches? Why two touches? Why did he have to actually touch him two times? We're going to find the answer this morning in just a few minutes. If you hang with me, you stay with me. You stay with me this morning. Don't go to sleep, but stay with me. I've got to find the answer. But let me take you back to the beginning of the gospel of Mark and Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, it's the beginning of the gospel. Jesus is around 30 years old. He's starting his public ministry. He's growing up. He's starting his public ministry, and he's baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit comes down up him like, like a dove, rests on his shoulder, and there's a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. At once the Holy Spirit leads him out into the desert where he's there for 40 days, and he's tempted by the enemy, Satan. And we know from the other Gospels that he, he stood up to that temptation three times. We know that. And then he goes on and he preaches in the synagogue. And then after preaching in the synagogues, there's a man who's possessed by an evil spirit, and he heals him. And then Simon's mother-in-law was ill, and he heals her. And then he heals a number of other people, the Bible says. And then the Bible says, very early in the morning when it was still dark, Jesus got up early, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That's all in chapter 1. All that happened in chapter 1. You will find for eight chapters in the book of Mark, it's very rapid, very fast-paced, miracle after miracle after miracle. It's the power of God in the life of Jesus, of the Son of God. That's, what, that's what's being demonstrated here. And all the way along, uh, his disciples are with him. And Jesus brought them down from Galilee. And I, and I believe maybe just for this one moment, he brought them down from Galilee so they could see that Jesus was sharing with them that he turns his attention not to this man he's going to heal, but to his disciples. That these disciples had no idea that Jesus was going to walk them in to the parable of their very lives. That's why this miracle is in two stages that we see here. So let me read the, the verses that precede this and helps us to understand this. In Mark chapter 8, verse 14 through 18. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but failed to see and ears but failed to hear? And don't you remember? So they get on the boat of Sea of Galilee, and they had one loaf of bread, and Jesus warns them. He says, he says, listen, watch out for the yeast. Now, yeast is what makes bread expand, makes bread rise. Do I got that right? Somebody shake their head and say, yeah, you got that right. That's what yeast does, right? Yeast is almost always, in Scripture and outside of Scripture, is a symbol of evil. That it starts out small, and then it grows. So Jesus is saying to these disciples, watch out for the yeast, or watch out for the sins, the evil of the Pharisees, those religious rulers, and watch out for the yeast or the evil of Herod, those political rulers is what he's saying here. And he's telling them that. He says, don't allow those guys to shape who you believe Jesus is, who you believe I am. Watch out for this, he says to them. And then Jesus is listening to them talk. And I can imagine the conversation of the disciples. The disciples are like, what, we have no bread? Who was in charge of bringing the bread? Well, I'm not in charge. Why do you bring any bread? Why should I bring bread? Why should I be in charge? I'm sure there was a conversation that went on there, and they're talking about maybe one of them said, you know, I don't do the bread. That's not me. I came to Jesus first, so maybe I don't do the bread. And they're talking about it. So what are we going to do now? Who's going to be the one to tell Jesus we have no bread? Who's going to finally tell him this? So Jesus is listening to them talk and having this conversation among themselves, and he says, guys, why are you talking about having no bread? 
Do you still not understand? Do you still not get it? You have eyes, but you fail to see. You have ears, but you fail to hear. Don't you remember? You didn't just forget the bread. You forgot you've got the bread maker with you, is what he says. You forgot you've got the bread maker with you. He goes on in verses 19 through 21. Let's read those. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said, do you still not understand? Jesus was saying that, he said, I'm the one who did all that. I'm the one who made all that happen. It was me, and I'm here with you. What he's basically saying to them is, you, you see that guy over there? I'm going to heal him. He says, and he, and he heals him, sort of heals him, what he does. He, Jesus said, can you see? And the, my, the, man, the man says, you know, I can sort of see. It's like trees walking. And Jesus doesn't connect the dots with the disciples yet, but what he's going to say to them, that's you. That's a picture of you right there. You have traveled with me for all these months. You have seen me perform miracles. You have seen me heal people. You've seen me take little lunches and feed 5,000. You've seen me take little lunches and, and feed 4,000. And you're complaining, and you're complaining and talk about the fact that you forgot the bread. And he says, what you really forgot was the bread maker. Do you know me? Do you really know who I am? Do you know who's in front of you right now? And that's the, that's the thing. He says, that man is a picture of you. That's a picture of you. You sort of see, but you don't fully see. You don't really comprehend it. You're not really getting it. And as I read this story, I think to myself, what is the bread in our lives? What is the thing that so distracts us that we're ever discovering who Jesus really is? Is it our careers? Or is it, or is it we have in our life that we think that everything's okay? And so we forget that maybe we don't really know Jesus. We cast him aside because everything's going all right in our life. And I've heard this story once. I've heard it a dozen times over the many, ministry, many years I've been in ministry. Someone will say to me, you know, I grew up in the church, and it doesn't really matter the name of the church or anything. They say, you know, I, I learned about Jesus. Jesus was kind of the center of our doctrine that we had in our church, and we got together, and we'd worship, and we'd do the big events, events on Easter and Christmas. But the time came in life when I was growing older that no longer uh, was those things that were important to my parents were important to me. I got distracted from those things. And I went off to college, or I got a job, or whatever the story was. But I found myself living for the weekends. That I love the weekends, and I love to do things on the weekends. And I have to admit, some of the things I did on the weekends, I probably shouldn't have done. And now I'm in the stage of my life years later, and I'm trying to figure things out. And you're telling me the answer is Jesus, but I'm telling you, I tried that. I tried church, I tried going to, and it didn't work for me. Have you ever heard that? Does that sound familiar? Many people say that in their lives. When I was younger, my parents took me to church. When I was a young adult, I went to church. But it didn't work. And what Jesus is saying to that person, what he's really saying to his disciples, what he's saying, you've had this experience, but you've not been transformed. You've not been transformed. In other words, you see me vaguely. I'm out of focus. I'm not with clarity. But you don't see me clearly. Like trees walking is the way that you see me. We need to be transformed by Jesus is what he's saying. We need to be transformed by him. And this was a powerful, powerful moment for Jesus. His disciples had to be asking the question, why is he doing this twice? We've never seen this happen before. Is he losing his power? Or he didn't spit enough? Did he need more spit? What happened was Jesus was walking them right into it and basically say to them, no, that is you. That's a picture of you. And you think that you've been transformed because you observed a few things or experienced some things, but you haven't. He said, you don't see clearly, you see vaguely. You're not seeing me clearly for who I am. Some people 
I, I don't know if you like to watch the NFL. Anybody really like to watch the NFL here? Football? Okay, I thought it was going to get any hands. I like watching the fo- uh, NFL. And right now, I mean, we just had last week the uh, college football championships. I don't know if anybody watched that. But now the playoffs are on, and I like watching. And maybe you say, boy, I like one of those big-name quarterbacks. And suppose it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if anybody likes Patrick Mahomes. Or it could be uh, Josh Allen or any of the other quarterbacks out there, Lamar Jackson, any of those other quarterbacks. You see, I really like them, and I really like them. I know their stats. I know how many yards they pass for. I know how many touchdown passes. I know how many interceptions. I know all about them. I know where they rank in the NFL, the top quarterbacks. I know all about them. I know all about their lives, maybe some things about their personal lives, what college they can have, all those kind of things. But my question is, have you ever been in the same room with them? Have you ever talked with them? So you don't really know them, do you? You know things about them, so you don't see them clearly. And maybe there is a a vocalist that you really like and say, boy, I really like this one vocalist, and I will travel for hours to go see them. I've downloaded all their music, and I love them. I I know all the, the, the words to their songs. And boy, when I hear their voice, I know their voice from all other voices when it's on the radio or whatever somebody's listening to. But my question is, have you ever been in a room with them where you've looked into their eyes and you've talked with them? So you don't really know them. You know about them, but you don't really know them. For a lot of people who live with the Christian background, they're saying the same thing. I know Jesus because of this Christian background, because I have a few facts. Whose lives have never been transformed by Jesus. They've got this little bit of factual information about Jesus. They know about him. And one day, according to the book of Mark, Jesus said in the book of Mark that one day they're going to stand before Jesus. And Jesus said, and they're going to say to Jesus, you know, I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name, and I did that in your name. I went to church in your name. I went on mission trips in your name. I gave money in your name. And Jesus said, I never knew you, or I don't know you. Depart from me, you who practice iniquity. And you look at that, and you say, wow, because Jesus is not in focus. We, only, we don't see him clearly, and our lives have not been transformed. It's not about an experience. It's about transformation. And many times people say, oh, you need to go to this event, or you need to go there because you're going to experience something special. Well, Jesus wasn't about experiences. It's not about an experience. And that's what he's basically telling his disciples. You've seen all these experiences, but you've not been transformed. It's about being transformed by Jesus is what he's talking about to these disciples right here. And maybe you've seen one of those uh, YouTube videos of children or adults who have never seen color. You ever see that? The video was somebody else has seen color, and their lives have basically been in black and white and shades of gray. And then someone gives those in chroma glasses, and they put those on, and they can see color for the very first time. And I want you to see their response as they put those glasses on. A couple, got a video here showing a couple responses. Go look at that. Okay, so they're all yours. Okay, they're all yours. Let's see what it, see what it does. <laughs> so what do you think then? Look people. That's awesome. Hey, come here. Come here, dude. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Ma, you better be in there too. That is so awesome. I told you it's gonna be a little emotional. Don't break it. Oh. Oh, he froze. Oh no. Oh, no. Color for the color blind. Up. 
I am colorblind. <laughs> now these are these are special glasses. Your kids have been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see the color just like we all see. <laughs> and it came with balloons and all that. Oh my! Goodness. I can put these on. Yeah, it'll. This rocket like, was supposed to be? It'll like correct, how we all see it. It'll yeah. correct your eyes so that you'll see how it's supposed to see it. It's so clear I can't great response on being with Jesus is about transformation it's about transformation as these people were transformed to seeing color for the very first time you cannot come to Jesus leaving seeing trees walking that doesn't cut us that that won't help us for eternity just to see trees walking as we come to Jesus we have to see Jesus for who he really is we have to see him with clarity we have to see him clearly and be transformed by him that's what he wants you and I to be transformed by him, not to have an experience, not to see him vaguely, not to know some facts about him, but be transformed by Jesus. Can you imagine this blind man who, who, had not, who could not see? And he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about this man from Nazareth who heals the sick and makes the lame walk and the blind see. And now he's one of those people that are going to be touched by Jesus. And Jesus touches him. And the man opens his eyes and Jesus said, can you see? And he goes, sort of. And, and I can imagine, if I was that man, I'd be thinking to myself, why can't I see him? Why did this work for everyone else, but it's not working for me? Why is it not working for me? He says, I can sort of see, right? But he, but he was honest. He says, tells Jesus, I can't see very well. I see trees, like trees walking, and it's not good enough. And, but he was honest about it. And the point that Jesus was making to his disciples, this is who you are. This is who you are. For the first eight chapters, you've watched me. You've watched me heal the sick, one right after the other, miracle after miracle after miracle. You should, should have been asking the question on the way, who is this? Who is this man? He's different from everybody else. You should have been asking that question. The question was asked in Mark chapter 4. The disciples and Jesus were out in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And remember, a storm came up, a really bad storm. And, and some of those fishermen who, had, who were on the sea were accustomed to sea, and accustomed to seeing storms, they were afraid for their very lives. Remember, Jesus was asleep, and they go to Jesus, and they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus gets up, and he speaks some words, and the sea and the wind becomes calm. And the Bible says that those disciples were afraid. They were more afraid after Jesus calmed the storm than before when they were facing death. Why? Because they realized they were in the midst of a person they could not explain. They were in the midst of a person that was in a different category. He's in a category all by himself. And the question was asked, who is this that when he speaks, that even the waves and the, whistle, uh, the, waves and the wind obeys him? And the question is not answered for four chapters. It's not answered for four chapters. And Jesus sets them up for that by saying, it doesn't cut it just to walk with me. It doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it to, to make entries into your journal by how I've changed people's lives. You don't see me clearly. You don't see me with clarity is your problem. You're not seeing me. And that goes in the second reality of finding spiritual sight, your second point in your outline. That being transformed requires the right knowledge, the right knowledge. 
It begins with the right knowledge. And we're going to look at verses 27 through 30, but notice the question Jesus is going to ask them. But notice what is happening in the passage. Uh, Jesus brings them down from Galilee all the way down to Bethsaida to heal this blind man in two stages. And then he's going to take them all the way back up. This long trip to Caesarea Philippi, he's going to take them back up to reinforce the second part was really important. For them to understand and to know who this man Jesus is, that when he speaks, the waves and the winds obey him. So he asked the question, beginning with verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Well, what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. The disciples here sort of got it right, but mostly they got it wrong. They sort of got it right because they put Jesus in a very select group of people who were used by God even to do miracles. But they mostly got it wrong because Jesus didn't fit in that category. He didn't fit in that category. Matter of fact, he's in a category all by himself. There's no one else in the category of Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is God. And what he's saying to the disciples that not understood that yet. They didn't understand who he really was. They didn't come to grips who he was. And what he's saying, this blind man was to get their attention, to tell them their commitment levels weren't transformational. They were still blind. They still weren't seeing clearly. They still didn't know. He was saying, you still don't know these things. And he had to take them to a place where other idols were worshipped and other gods were in play in people's lives. And then he says, who do people say I am? And they say, Elijah, John the Baptist. And he asks, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. And Jesus reinforces this. Remember, he warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, to those religious leaders. Watch out for the yeast of Herod, those political leaders. Watch out for them. Don't allow them to influence you or shape you who you say I am. He says, because I'm calling you to something different. Because I'm something different. I'm not like them. I'm something completely different. And therefore, you need to know that I am the Christ. I'm the anointed one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. But I'm not, I didn't come here to, to Jerusalem. I came, I came here to Jerusalem to die. I didn't come to Rome to, to overthrow Rome. I didn't come to set Jerusalem free. That's not why I came. I came here for a bigger purpose that involves my death. That's why I came. And they had to understand and come to grips with that. They haven't accepted that yet, that reality about Jesus and who he is and what he came to accomplish. They didn't accept that yet. And this was a super teaching moment for Jesus right here with his disciples. Help them understand. Because he wanted to bring them to this moment right now where it would be transformational. Where they'd be transformed. Where they'd put the glasses on and they would never be the same again. Like the video. They were transformed. Never to be the same again. That's what he wanted in their lives. So this is what Jesus is doing right here. This is what the story's all about, this miracle. This is what he's trying to accomplish. So he's building on this wonderful message of salvation so his disciples can finally understand it and accept him for who he really is and be transformed. And why he's doing this in the next few verses, he's kind of telling them. He says, I'm more than a prophet. I'm more than a teacher. You need to understand it. I am the Christ. I've come here on a mission, but I've come on this mission to, to die. That's why I came. That was really hard for them to grasp, really hard hard for them to understand. The gospel message, salvation, is so powerful. And yet Jesus warned in this powerful verse in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to what he says. He said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. And the gospel is hard to accept because we have to admit we're sick, don't we? 
We don't like to admit we're sick. Somebody said, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay. Well, how are you doing spiritually? And many times people say, you know, I'm okay. How are you okay? Oh, I grew up in the church. You know, Jesus was an important part of our back, my background in the church, you know. And we, we worshiped. Uh, we had these, uh, these things that we did, our, our traditions. We're not Muslim. We're not Buddhist. We're not atheists. We're Christians. Believing or saying that doesn't make you okay. Do you realize that? Believing or saying and having a Christian background or, or growing up in a Christian home, it, it doesn't make you okay. You may see, but you don't see clearly. And Jesus was not meant to be a part of any religion that we're practicing. Say, he was a part of what we're doing. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus is the Son of God, and he came to transform our lives and to turn them upside down so you and I would never, ever be the same again. He came to see, so we could see him clearly, so we could see who he really is, that he is the Son of God. That's why he came. We have get to the place where we're saying spiritually, I'm not okay. And hopefully you've gotten to that place where you say spiritually, I'm not okay. There's this sin in my life, and because I have sin in my life, it's alienating me from God. And I can't approach God on my own. There's nothing I can do about this sin. Going to church is going to make it right. Doing good deeds is going to make it right. Giving money is going to make it right. Being in denial is not going to make it right. I need Jesus. I need to see him clearly understand who he is and what he did for me. That's what I need. And the gospel is really hard to understand. Until we admit that we're not okay, that we're sinners in need of a Savior, it's not okay until we understand that. Perhaps there's some on that journey that are here or listen to me online that says that I haven't accepted Jesus Christ yet. Perhaps there's someone in this room maybe says, I know I haven't accepted Jesus. Maybe you're one of them. But what's really troubling, there might be someone in the room that think they have, when in reality, Jesus is just trees walking. That's all he really is. You know some facts about Jesus. You know a little bit of the facts about him. Heard some things about him. Know some of his miracles. You could probably quote a lot of the Bible. And I've done deeds. You know some things about him, but you don't know him. And he doesn't know you. May I encourage you today to accept the gospel message, what it says here, that it, he is the only means of salvation. It says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's only through Jesus salvation is found. Only way we can have a relationship with God is through Jesus. The Bible said there's no other name under heaven whereby a person can be saved other than the name of Jesus. It is only through him. And I, may I encourage you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, to accept him. And the Bible says that happens at a point in time in our life where you and I come and we realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And that point in the time in my life where it says, I can't save myself. And we come and we understand what Jesus did for us. And we pray and say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I accept Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me, and I believe who he is, that he's the son of God. The Bible says that when that happens, those spiritual glasses come on in our life, and, and we, we see like you've never seen before. And we're never the same because of those spiritual glasses. And it says that we've been born again according to John chapter 3. And now we're to grow in, in Jesus and begin transformed to be more and more like him as we're growing in Christ. I think there might be some here today that maybe you've had that transformational moment. You've had that moment in your life where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but over the years of knowing him, over those years, perhaps you've gotten distracted by a loaf of bread. And that loaf of bread for you may be your career. Maybe be the, ho the hobbies that you get involved in. Maybe it's just life itself. It's so distracted with family life and all the things that are happening in family life. It's so distracted you forgot about the one who changed 
your life. And we need to come back to him. We need to realize that Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about all these other things I'm doing. It's not all about the busyness of life and my career and the hobbies and all these things. That's about you. That's what's important in my life. And we need to come back to him. And then that question, who is Jesus? We all have to give an answer to that question. And if Jesus is not the son of God, then I would say, go on with your life and live in this broken world and get all you can out of it. But if Jesus is the son of God, and he is, he's the son of God, he is worthy of all of our love. He's worthy of all of our worship. He's worthy of, of all of our loyalty. He will change our lives. And I wonder on this third Sunday of January, is Jesus who he needs to be in your life? And only you can answer that. Is Jesus who he needs to be in your life right now? Not five years ago. Not what you're thinking next year, but right now. Is Jesus who he needs to be in your life? And I pray that he is. I pray that you open up your hearts to him, that you may see him clearly and may be transformed by him if you have not. It's so important. It's so important because many times people will come to church and think they're all right because I go to church every week and I listen to the pastor's message and maybe I serve in the church or I do this. That doesn't make us all right. The only one that can make us all right is to see Jesus clearly and accept him by faith. And hopefully you know that. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. Not this church, not anything. It's only through Christ that we can have salvation and forgiveness of sins. Only through him we are transformed. Otherwise, we're just having experiences, and that's not what God wants. He wants us to be transformed by him, to see him clearly. And I pray that for each and every one of you today. And if you do know him, and maybe you've gotten away and got distracted, come back to him. Yield our hearts and minds. Open up our hearts to him. Allow Jesus to be front and center of our life so we can continue to be transformed by him and be what Jesus wants to be. Amen? Let's see Jesus clearly this week. Let's pray. Lord, he come and we praise you. We thank you so much. There is no one like you. There is no one that loves us as much as you. There is no one that sacrificed as much as you have. There's no one has done as much as you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that each and one of our hearts are opened it up this reality. That we're not blinded by the enemy who wants to blind us and say, oh, Jesus doesn't really care. He doesn't really love you. What has he done for you? There, Lord, we cast away the evil, the evil one, the demons, all those things that are trying to get in our way of seeing you. We cast away all the distractions, those loaves of bread, that we might see you clearly today and understand. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That God loves us. He loves us so much that he didn't even deny his own son, but he gave him up for us. He loves us and he's committed to us that we understand that every day of our life, every moment, that God will never turn away from us. And if someone here doesn't know you, Jesus, today, I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you convict them of their sin, convict them that they need you. And Lord, I pray for their soul. They might come and turn to Jesus and put their faith and trust in him. Lord, I pray this morning for every one of us who are in this room that they realize, Lord, that uh, there's no hope apart from Jesus. This life is empty apart from you. That if we've been transformed by the power of God through Jesus, and Lord, maybe we've been distracted. Maybe we're not so focused on you. That Lord, help us to turn our hearts and minds and remind, remind ourselves that we've been redeemed for a purpose and a plan. Not to continue to live in our lives for ourselves, but to live our lives 
for your glory. Glorify yourself in our hearts and minds. Remind us of that transformation that you want in our hearts and minds, that we will never be the same again, to turn our hearts and minds upside down. Help us, Lord, to yield our hearts and minds to you today, that we may begin anew. In 2021, Lord, that it all become fresh and new and exciting, and our hearts and passion will be towards you, not toward all the thing, other things, but toward you, Jesus, because you are worthy of our worship and our love and our attention. We love you and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.